today's message. Um, kind of want to share about how it came about um, this past Sunday night. I had no idea what I was going to preach this, this coming Sunday. And sometime on Monday, um, all I knew was God was like, man, listen, um, I know this much. You need some grace. And you need to let people know that you need some grace. And, and you know how um, sometimes the hardest thing for you to do, it, 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 sometimes, often, it, it's easier for us to give grace to other people than it is for us to embrace grace for ourselves. And so I was kind of just in one of those, those moments and seasons and wore down from a pain and stuff that I'd been dealing with for the last several weeks and all. And, and, and Brother Trey and I always dialogue on, on, on where we're trying to go, you know, at the front of the week. And, and, and I was like, man, I can't, I can't take anybody but where God's taken me. And that is to, to understand um, how to embrace the grace of God. Um, I, what, what I've discovered through preparing this message for me and then sharing this message with you is that you can't understand and experience all God has for you without understanding God's grace. You just can't. And so today's message is entitled Grace for the Race. It's not up on the screen, but the definition of of, of God's grace in, in the Bible, I think this is a good working definition. It is the undeserved mercy and favor of God. God's grace, it is the undeserved mercy and favor of God. A man named the Apostle Paul who wrote much of the New Testament but was a, a great ambassador of Christ and follower of Christ, uh, even though once he, he lived just the opposite, he talks about how important grace is to the race. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 24. I want to begin with this scripture. It says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, when I came out, first thing I wanted to look for was little Faith Walker, my youngest son. Um, and and he's, he's one that actually taught me something. One time he was praying, and, and just it, 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 y'all know how some things out of the mouth of babes? He was much younger, and just out of his mouth, he's like, Lord, I know that you have a path for each of us. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. And, and, and listen, God has a path for you, but you can't stay on that path and you can't get to that purpose without understanding the necessity of God's grace. My prayer today is that you're going to realize how much God's grace matters, understand it more, and learn how to rely on it more in your life. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer today? Heavenly Father, God, Lord, right now I just pray that you, you would just be all in the details of everything that is said and the way it's said. God, you know that, that, that this message is something you put in my heart, and Lord, I pray that, that, that others through me would hear and find you. Uh, God, open our eyes that we might see what you want us to see, open our ears that we might hear what you want us to hear, and open our hearts that we might receive what it is that you want us to receive. May it not just be words on a page, may it not just be information that we've gained, but Lord, may it become transformation, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know, anytime you try to deal with, um, I guess you want to say, a, a, a generalized topic that's really big, such as faith or hope or, or grace or even Jesus, 
um, it, it, it becomes hard to figure out, okay, well, God, what, what pieces do you want me to, to share in, in, in the 30 minutes that we have? And, and so I'm going to share as much as I possibly can with you about the grace of God and help you see, I believe, exactly how it can help you now in your life. The first thing I want you to, to know, and we all need to know about God's grace, is that God's grace, it is amazing, it is undeserved, and it is limitless. God's grace, it is amazing, it is undeserved, and limitless. Anytime something's amazing, normally that means, man, that's almost too good to be true. Okay, amazing means that, hey, you know what, this is above average. This is like something you normally never see, or in this case, nothing like you've ever seen before. And so when something is, is God-sized and God-amazing, um, it is not within your capability to fully understand it, Okay. All you can try to do is comprehend it more, choose to believe in it more. Something God gave me this week was this, that, that we serve a God whose love language is grace, okay? Grace and love is not something that uh, just that God does. It is something, it is who God is. We, we are sinners not in the hands of an angry God. That does not mean that he's not upset with things that happen in, in society or in our lives. But we serve a God who is gracious. I didn't put this scripture in the notes, but Psalm 116, verse 5, in the Amplified Bible, it says, Gracious is the Lord and consistently righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. Listen, God calls us into a relationship Build on grace. That's the piece that I first want you to hear is that your relationship with God, my relationship with God, it all hinges on God's grace. Apart from it, all we could have is a religion, okay? There's tons of religious groups that meet for great causes and try to accomplish good things, but it is the grace of God that makes it possible for you and me to have a relationship with a holy God. As we serve a God whose chances are endless. But I think it's important that we go, okay, yeah, God's a God of second chances, fourth chances, a million chances. Those chances are up the day you draw your last breath. In this life, they're limitless. And since we don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, we can't rely on, on uh, you know, some people say, well, hey, you know what? I, yeah, I'll probably give my life to the Lord whenever I know that I'm dying. I've had ones tell me that before, what, people that, that just totally don't believe. I'm like, I hope you get that chance. I hope you get that chance because not all of us know when we're going out. Tons of people, they'll, they'll, they'll die today on the highway. They were just trying to go to vacation or, or just go out and do whatever they were planning to do. But, but God knew that it was their day. It was their appointed time. Listen, since, since we don't know what will happen the rest of this day or tomorrow, it, it really is important that we learn how to live with a sense of urgency, but that we also understand God's grace. Listen, God may not like what you've done or agree with all your life decisions, but he will always love you unconditionally and longs for you to come home. Maybe, maybe today as we get into this message, you feel like, man, you need grace more than ever before in your life. Maybe, maybe some of you, you feel like you've fallen from God's grace. I want you to hear this. There is no such thing. You've not fallen from God's grace. You might not be happy about where you are. You might not feel like God's happy about certain things you've done. But listen, God cannot love you anymore, and he will not love you any less. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, in the Message Bible, the Apostle Paul says, he says, May the amazing grace of the Master, 
Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Listen, God's grace is amazing, just like God's love is extravagant. God's grace is always undeserved. Listen, there will be nobody in heaven because they deserve to be there. There will be no one that has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because they deserved it. Listen, you will never be able to perform enough to be perfect. All it takes is one sin to be imperfect. So sometimes we, we like to compare ourselves and, 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 and look at this person or look at that person, but the truth is, listen, none of us deserve God's grace, and yet God's grace is amazing. It is limitless. That's why the thief on the cross Again, he's about to his last breath. He knows it. But he still was able to say, Jesus, when you get where you're going, will you remember me? And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Why? Because salvation is not a work of man. Salvation, I want you to write this down. Salvation is a work of grace. It is a work of grace. There is nothing that you have done good that earned God's grace. Look at Romans 5, 6 through 8. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Listen, that shows you that how things are dependent upon God's grace. Even while you and I were still sinners, even while you and I may have before just completely gone our own way, he still sent Jesus. He made the first move towards us. He said, listen, I'm reaching out to you because of my love. I'm reaching out to you through grace. Listen, I'm so glad that God sent Jesus to die for my sins, aren't you? I'm so glad that God embraces me even with my shortcomings, aren't you? 2 Timothy 1.9 says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ. Now, something God's just bearing on my heart to say to you, some of you, you've never been released from religiosity. I don't even know if that's a word. I love making up words, by the way. Whatever you want to call it. Some of you, you don't know it, but you've been held in prison of religion, of only do's and don'ts. Did I do this? Did I not do that? Did I get this right? Did I get that right? Listen, it's not about you being right. It's about Jesus Christ dying so that you could be right. Listen, the apostle Paul wanted to make it very clear to Christ followers everywhere. He constantly was saying, hey, the grace of our Lord. He wanted people to know the grace that was given to them through Jesus Christ, and that even if they had been the worst of sinners, okay, it doesn't matter how much of a, of a hellion, I, I do know that's a word, how much of a hellion you feel like you've been, Jesus wants to take you from being bound to hell and headed to heaven. 1 Timothy 1, 13 through 15, listen to a piece of Paul's testimony. He said, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. By the way, most of the time when we're living stupid, we don't know how stupid we are. That's a, that's a common thing. We all have that disease. 
says, the grace of our Lord has poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Listen, if not for the grace of God, none of us could have salvation. If not for the grace of God, none of us could stand and withstand what we deal with in this life. You're going to discover through this, this message just how much you have instead of maybe sitting back and thinking of how much you don't have. Listen, when you know the grace and the love of God and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, you have everything. You have way more than most. John 1.16 says, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Listen, everybody, even if they've not accepted the grace of God, everybody has been given grace. Only reason some of us are still standing here today. You need to understand that God's grace is great for you, and the only way that you can experience God's peace, God's purpose in your life, and God's hope in your life is the grace of the Lord. Secondly, God's grace, it is saving, forgiving, and freeing. God's grace, it is saving, it is forgiving, and it's freeing. All of these things are in working order of how they, they work. Listen, Jesus's payment on the cross for your sins and mine, it was God's gift of grace so that we could have the option of salvation. Just because Jesus died doesn't make everybody um, headed to heaven, does it? It's an extension of grace, okay? No gift... Um, a gift doesn't matter if you don't receive it. A tool doesn't work unless you take that, that tool. Listen, Jesus is reaching out his arms for you and me, uh, and, and any of you who know Christ, you already know this. You, you, know, you realize the day that you were a sinner and that you needed Jesus desperately to save your soul, and you believed by grace, in the, by, by faith in the grace of Jesus Christ. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of grace. It is about what Christ has done, not what you have done. It is not about you doing things for God. It is about you allowing God to do things through you. So it took me a long time as a minister to understand that I'm just meant to let God pipeline through me. I'm just a vessel. I'm just like you. And, 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 and I, I just, I just got to try to stay out of God's way. And say, God, you know, you take it from here. You know, when I share stuff with you, I'm not, this isn't my, uh, it, may, it may be using my mouth, but, it, but it's God's voice because it's God's word that, that has shed light on these things for me. Listen, I want you to hear this. God's grace is enough to change everything in your life. I mean everything. God's grace, it is life-saving. It is life-changing. It is forgiving. It is freeing. Listen, God, if you can understand God's grace and believe in God's grace today, you can be set free to live your best life from this point forward. Listen, God's grace makes salvation possible. Ephesians 1, 7. It says, in him we have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood which paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and the complete pardon of our sin in accordance with his riches of his grace. Listen, God's grace helps you overcome sin and the grave. Anytime you say, well, man, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. 
What you're saying is, I'm a sinner saved by grace who believed in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of my sin and the promise of eternal life. Nowhere in that testimony is something I did. But you also, listen, the Bible says that, 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 that we're able to have um, victory over sin by grace. Look at Romans 6.14. It says, sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. What I love about God's grace is it's not conditional. What I love even more about God's forgiveness is that once he forgives you, he forgets it. He doesn't use it against you. Listen, you, some of you, you've had a really wild past. God wants to use your past, but he doesn't want you to live in your past. And so when you bring it to him, when you say, Lord, I'm sorry I got this wrong. I'm sorry I did things this way or messed up that or whatever. God, will you please forgive me of every wrong thing I've ever done in my life? Listen, not only does he forgive you, he now sets you free to go live without the burden of the past. Listen, if you, if you keep looking at and living in the past, you'll never be able to experience your future. The only way you can be set free is in Christ in the grace of Christ, not reliant on how you feel about it or other people feel about it. Listen, you, sometimes I find that people, they struggle to forgive themselves, but do not put that in God's mouth as if he doesn't forgive you. When he says, listen, I not only forgive you, I throw your sin as far as the east is from the west. Listen, we are all desperate at times for God's grace, aren't we? I mean, I, I just find myself sometimes, I'm like, listen, if not for the grace of God, I don't know how this is gonna turn out. Galatians 5.1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now I want to say this, having grown up a pastor, uh, a pastor's son. My dad was an awesome man. My mom was an awesome woman. E each of them, they did the best they possibly could and always did things with the right genuine heart and everything else, if you want to say it. Well, always walk with high integrity. But I believe I spent a lot of my life growing up in church only having the perception of a religion. You know, I knew, I, I, again, it's almost like when they say, you know what, um, I, I've said this about churches. For, churches over the last 50 years or so, they knew what they're against, but they don't know what they're for. Okay. They know you ain't supposed to do this. You ain't supposed to do that. You ain't supposed to smoke that. You aren't supposed to say that. And, and see, that's, that's just a religion. Because see, only Christ can help you overcome that. So it's not, it's not a matter of sizing up a man and, and saying, don't do this and don't do that. You know, it's, it's going, hey, Christ has a better life for you. Christ has a better life for you. And, and we all have sins. And, and, and through Christ, we can be forgiven of that sin. And we don't have to, listen, be a slave to that sin. See, you, some of you, you're, you're a slave to the past and you don't even know it. You're a, you're a slave to religion. Like, oh man, you know, what, does, what, what didn't I do? What, what didn't I do here? Didn't I do there? What did I do there? When you're under grace, you're set free to live in freedom. Not because you're good, but because he's good. Not because you deserve it, but because in Christ you've been set free and you've been forgiven. Totally. God does not work historically. John 8, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Now, some people 
out in the Southeast, I just feel like I deal with this perception a lot with people. I think it's especially just because I do so many funerals and I'm so so much around people that aren't in the church. And I kind of hear this terminology. Well, you know, preacher, church don't save you. What you think about that, Bubba? Listen, just because he's saved you and that a church can't save you doesn't mean there aren't steps for you to take beyond the forgiveness Listen, when he forgives you, and while his grace might abound, it's kind of like in marriage how we need to make sure we don't abuse one another's grace. We need to make sure we aren't abusing the grace of God. Because, see, if you truly repent of something, then you no longer desire to live in that. That was yesterday, okay? That was yesterday's man. That was yesterday's woman. You, you want to walk and be that new creation in Christ because you realize all that Christ has done for you, and so you surrender the rest of your life to him. You know, hell or high water, church or no church, I'm planning on the rest of my life living for Christ because I could never give enough of myself for the grace he's lavished upon me. And so the Apostle Paul, I don't have this up on the screen, but the Apostle Paul said in Romans 6, verses 15 to 23, he says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? And he says, of course not. He says, listen, don't go back to being a slave to your sinfulness your sinful ways. Don't let the devil, listen, some of you need to hear this. Don't let the devil have any more of your time. Let God forgive you of what didn't happen or should have happened or you wish would happen and let God use all of that, recycle all of that and and use you the rest of your life. You can resolve today to say, hey, you know what? I'm no longer going to live under that burden of what other people think about me or what I even think about me. I'm going to focus on what God says about me. You know, sometimes the only safe refuge we have, the only person we feel like really gets us, sees our heart is God, isn't it? Sometimes you're like, man, nobody can understand me right now. He can. Nobody is really loving me like I need to be loved. He does, and his grace is being reached out. But thirdly, God's grace, it is experienced humbly seeking him. God's grace, it is experienced humbly seeking him. A lot of people, especially church people, we can be guilty of talking about things that we never truly realize in our life. In other words, it's kind of like tools. I think most of you know by now I'm not a handy guy, okay? I've never had anybody in here or anybody out there say, hey, can you come to my house and fix something? Because what they would have heard was, well, let me, let me look in my toolbox. I got about five tools in there. And um, but none of them I use. My father-in-law, he knows good. Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do, brother. If you if you go to heaven, I mean, I, I hope he's training my wife on on doing things. But but how many of you know a, a tool is useless? A tool is useless if all it is is in the toolbox. The grace of God, it is useless, and it cannot be experienced until you learn how to get over yourself. Listen, you can't experience the grace of God full of pride. You cannot experience all God has for you walking in pride. You have to humble yourself. If somebody asked me, what's the first step forward to get up? I'd say, get down. That's the first step. Anytime I'm in my darkest moments, my first move is, okay, either either laying right where I'm at or I try to get on the side of my bed and go ahead and get on my knees. 
And if I'm too weak to pray, I try to contact somebody or I try to get my youngest son. He'll tell you he did it a couple times for me this week. I try to get him to come right there and, and, and let's pray. Because sometimes you need a little help, don't you? It's called grace. It's in Micah 6, 8. It says, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If you want to experience fully God's grace in your life, you have to learn how to genuinely and daily humble yourself before the Lord and rely on him. Rely on his love for you. Rely on his grace for you. James 4, 6 through 10 says, and he gives grace generously. Okay, so somebody stops right there. They say, oh man, you know, God gives grace generously. But then notice what the rest says. It says, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. By the way, anytime you're trying to truly humble yourself before the Lord, you're trying to turn all of your focus, all of your attention, all of your allegiance and completely humble yourself before the Lord. There's a difference between, hey God, I just want you to bail me out versus God, I'm seeking you like never before. And so it goes on to say, let there be tears for what you've done. Again, we, we, we shouldn't be happy for things that, that, that aren't God's will. Let there, let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. I really believe the scripture right there is not talking about, hey, I want you crying all the time, but I want there to be true, genuine brokenness over what breaks the heart of God. Because that's when you're really growing close. It's like you're under strong conviction. God's moving you. Like if nobody else is being moved, you're being moved. And you're, you genuinely mean it when you're like, listen, God, I'm giving you every step forward. And I'm certainly giving you right now. And so verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Listen, the moment that you seek to genuinely honor God, he will honor you. The moment you genuinely seek to give God everything that he's given to you to begin with and allow him to use it for his glory and allow you to guide you in your life, everything in your life will prosper according to his will and his plan. Doesn't mean it won't be difficult. Doesn't mean that, listen, your trials don't go away the moment you get up from that altar. But life changes because guess what? No longer are you carrying the burden, but you've given God the burden. No longer are you reliant on yourself, but you're reliant on your Savior and his grace for you and his strength for you. 1 Peter 1, 5, 5 through 6 says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Tie on the servant's apron, for God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful and presumptuous. And he defeats them, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. That's why I've had people before that were at church all the time that don't have a deep relationship with God, but somebody can walk into the church that's all broke up, all bent up, knows that they look like hell and are called a hellion, but they're broken to the core, and so they can get a closer relationship with God because they realize and recognize they are desperate for his grace. And that changes it. That's the ch Listen, sometimes we're walking around and we don't even know it. We're puffed up with pride thinking we got it right. We got the, we got the power when God can take all the power right away. 
He reveals. Listen, sometimes God lets the training wheels fall off your faith just so you can know where you really are. Does it to me all the time. I'm like, God, man, I was just getting ready to graduate high school. Puts me back in pre-K. Next thing I know, I'm like, my God, you know, I know I preached that Sunday. I know I was going to preach this this Sunday, but why do I have to practice it? I told my mom again this week just what I've said about certain other times. I said, my Lord, I messed up. I said, I was going to preach on grace. I wished I'd have never said nothing because God's making me have to practice it. Lord Jesus, I, said, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? When, there are times that's all you have to rely on. Listen, the worst place you can be is trying to be self-reliant. There's a difference. I, I, I shouldn't be confused with maybe being an independent person. I'm talking about in general. It doesn't matter whether anybody else is doing something with you. You cannot live self-reliant. You, you can only thrive Savior-reliant. Which brings me to number four. God's grace is our confidence and our strength. God's grace, it is our confidence and strength. You know what you call confidence in self? Fake confidence. Fake. You can fake it till you make it, but I promise you, you won't make it. You'll reach a point where you reach the end of yourself. Because, listen, God wants you to know and realize that you can only rely on his grace. This world, it is full of things that change. This world is full of trials and, and sorrows. But the scripture says we can be confident in the grace and the love that God has for us. Listen, God calls us to rely on his grace. Not Listen, it's not about perfection. It is about connection. It is not about our feelings of worthiness. It's about knowing that Christ says we're worth it. Listen, we can't rely on God's grace for salvation. That's how your, your relationship with God starts. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says God saved you by his grace when you believe. Nothing in there says you did something other than you responded. It says God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. You get your testimony wrong the moment that you start spending more time on what you did than what Christ has done that you couldn't do. Romans 5, 9 through 11 says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of the son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That, 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 that part about rejoicing in our new relationship with God just made me think of all the people that I've dealt with in 30 years of ministry that, that they realized they had a religion, but they never had a relationship. They had a regiment, but they never had a relationship. If you ask me, why is it that people could be in a church all their life, and yet you're like, my Lord, they seem like the devil themselves? Because the only grace change that happens is through a relationship with Christ. Any of us can get ugly at any time. Come to my house. If you don't visit me, I won't come see you. Listen, by the grace of God, will you get into heaven? But by the grace of God, through your faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection alone, guess what? You will go to heaven. It's a guarantee. It's a done deal. It is finished. But guess what else, though? Beyond salvation, 
Any time that you find yourself desperate in need for God's grace, no matter how far you feel away from God, no matter how much you feel like God shouldn't hear you and he should listen to the other person because you hadn't been doing what you should be doing as much as they've been doing what they should be doing. And so you say, so Satan makes you convinced. He's like, ain't no use for you to pray because you, you can't be pretending. Listen, we're all pretenders. We're all pretenders. There's plenty of times in my life God's like, listen, you got to get real so you can get right. But here's, here's the thing I, I, I wish you could know. There's never a time that you have to be ashamed or fearful to come to the altar or to call on God in prayer because he says we can find grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I'm so confident in him that, that, that I'm, and I'm glad that no matter how much I mess it up, if I messed up the whole day, I can come to him still that night and say, God, please forgive me. Please change me from the inside out. Please help me. I know I didn't handle that the way you would like me to. to uh, and by the way, when somebody's got the spirit of God in them, nobody's got to bring you conviction. You got your own because God lives in you. So he's all up in your business, isn't he? You're like, my Lord, I can't seem to run from him. That's because he's living in you. That's why you can't, listen, you, you can't go back. You can backslide, but you can't go back. And, and the further you backslide, the more you realize you need to go back. Listen, we can rely on God's grace to be our strength. Some of you are battling things just the same as I'm battling things that you know it brings you to your knees. It might not be physical. It may be emotional. It might not be either one of those, but it's relational. It may be all of those, physical, emotional, mental, relational. And you're sitting there going, God, I don't have anything left in me. I have to tell you where I found God most was when I had nothing, like, like when I really had nothing, like, like that low level I've told y'all before that I had gotten, and I, I remember so well where I remember telling my dad. I called him on the phone. I, was, I wasn't preaching that Sunday. They were on the way to church. And I said, Dad, I said, I'm in a bad place. I said, I can't even pray. I can't even pray. And, I, and listen, by the way, whenever you are at that point, you can't be too prideful to let other people pray for you and with you because sometimes you need some spiritual CPR to bring you back to life. See, I, I, I don't have no shame in my game because, see, God's already brought me down to ground zero. In fact, I, I'm, I feel this way. The more you put out there and just, be, just go ahead and just tell people the junk, and, and, and own it and, 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 and acknowledge it, especially when it's necessary, then you can work through it. Confession's healing, but grace is real. And, and listen, you can't ever get so far that God can't reach in. And so in your weakness, just like in my weakness, and it was in the Apostle Paul's, you need to understand that your greatest pain, God is working it for you to get you to him. I thank God for my pain. I really do. I, I can't really tell you any time where I asked God to just remove everything I had going on. I can't remember. I might have said, hey, can you bring this down a notch, and, and can you get me where I can get through this and get through that? 
But I have learned over time that the pain that I've experienced is one of the greatest gifts of God's grace because I would have never known, and you would never know until you reach your lowest, that God can take you back up and get you through. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, the Apostle Paul, he said each time, he said, you know, when God just kept going, hey, the Apostle Paul kept saying, hey, man, can't you just take away this thorn in my flesh, this struggle, this battle I'm dealing with? And, and, and he says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power is best. It works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. By the way, the church would see a whole lot more of God if people could get over themselves and realize, hey, you know what? In my weakness is where I find his strength. And all of us are in here together. You know, I look at, we're just a, a land of misfit toys. All different journeys, all different brokenness, all different hot messes. But I'm so glad. Listen, I know for a fact God loves hot messes. So I just say, hey, welcome to the club. You know, I knew it was going to be hot mess church as soon as I started it. But I found God's grace in my weakness. Notice what it says. He says, he says um, I'm I can now boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I, I remember saying this clearly a, a couple years back, probably four, five years ago at least, and, 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 and I'm talking to my mom. She was, she was the, 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 the most economic counselor for me at that time. And we would talk every day and, and, and we're talking about, I was just in the pit of my struggle and I, I, I remember saying to my mom, I'm like, if this keeps going, Mom, the way that it seems to be going, there ain't going to be nothing left of me when God's done. And that's when I realized that's the point, Craig. He's trying to get Craig over Craig so that Craig can rely on Christ. Because whether you're the preacher or the president or any other person, you still have to put your faith and hope in the grace of God. Listen, you find your strength in your greatest weaknesses. Do not be afraid to stare your weakness in the face. Don't look at it as, hey, I can overcome this, but understand in Christ and through his grace, you will overcome it. Many of you, you've gotten through things before that you never thought you'd get through. And you look back and you say, okay, well, I had to be the grace of God. It was. And now here you are. And guess what? The same grace that you were able to rely on since you were born, it's the same grace that you'll be able to rely on till you die and you meet Jesus face to face. But last but not least, God's grace, it is meant to glorify him. God's grace, it is meant to glorify him. When Jesus was sent down from heaven, because God loves us so much, and, and, and he, he was sent down to demonstrate God's grace for us, Okay? He died on the, uh, uh, the cruelest death you could to demonstrate his grace to ultimately, listen to this, bring God glory. John 1.14 says the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Listen, anyone who is a Christian is only saved because of God's incredible grace. And so our salvation, it is about God's grace. It is about God's goodness. Listen, you, you need to write this down. Your salvation, it is about God's grace and about God's goodness. 
Anything good that has happened since Christ is because of Christ. God wants your life to reflect his grace, tell of his grace, demonstrate his grace. Write that down. He wants you to reflect it, tell it, and demonstrate it. Don't don't be afraid to share your story because your story is what demonstrates the power. Your story is what demonstrates the grace. Your story is the only reason some people will even want to hear what you got to say is tell me where you struggled. Tell me when it didn't work out. Tell me when you felt like I'm feeling right now, helpless. What did he do? Listen, when you tell your story, not only does God get the glory, but people hear hope. 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16 says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says this, he says, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. God wants to show to others through his patience with you how he's willing to be patient with them. It says, as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul goes on to say later, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Listen, sometimes we try really hard at trying to fix something or change something or be something, and we may have good intentions, but, but it really speaks highly of the grace of God when we're able to be very crystal clear and say, hey, can I tell you I tried everything in my strength before this happened? Can I tell you where I was before where I am? And can I tell you who literally picked me up out of a grave? I was going to take my life. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. And God reached in and said, hey, I'm not done with you yet. Some of you in here, it's just coming on me. The Spirit is. The worst thing that you do is you forget where you came from. You forget where you came from. You forget who got you here. You take credit for everything instead of realizing, listen, but by the grace of God. But by the grace of God. I think one way that we abuse the grace of God is when we forget the grace. I'll spend the rest of my life probably telling people, I was going to leave the ministry. I even uttered the words at times several years back, hey, if I got to live like this, I don't really want to live. But I'm able to now go, hey, I know what it's like to feel like there's nothing you can do to change things except call on the one who changes things. And that's all I did. I just kept faith walking. I just kept leaning. I, keep, I kept trusting. I kept believing, even when I didn't believe. You know, faith is just what it is, faith. But by the grace of God, trust me, you have to put up with me for the next 20 years. I say only 20 years because this body probably can't pass for longer than that. 
Listen, some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. God met you in your weakest and in your worst. And he got you here. And he'll take you further. Would you bow your heads with me? Second Peter 3.18 says, You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him both now and forever. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, God, right now, I pray if there's anyone here today that's not yet accepted your free gift of salvation, Lord, that today would be the day that they would admit their sin, they would believe in your grace and your love that was proven by sending Jesus to that cross. Lord, they would believe that Jesus not only died for their sins, Lord, but, but when he was buried, he, he was resurrected, he overcame both sin and the grave for us. Not because we deserved it, Lord. But because you loved us anyway. I pray that they would today would invite you, Jesus, to be their Savior, be their Lord. And Lord, put all their hope in you from this point forward. God, I pray for those maybe that, that, that you just needed to bring them back. You needed to refresh their memory or renew their perspective that your grace is sufficient, that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, we needed to remember how far you've, you've taken us, Lord, so that we can trust you for how much further you will take us. Lord, your word says that your, your mercies are new every morning. Every day is a new day to get it right and to fully rely on your grace. God, I pray, Lord, during this altar call, however anyone should respond, they would respond. Whether they make their way to this altar, whether they make their way to me afterwards, or, or Lord, they, 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 they call someone or talk with someone after this service. God, I pray that the grace work that you've begun in us, Lord, that you would continue that work as you promised to do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.